Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Psalm 13 and, and says this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up my anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him. And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Yes. I want to take you guys with me wherever I go for that. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for all who have served this morning, too, as well. You know, uh, I think I get more out of, like, the NCC questions and answers than some of the kids do sometimes. That the church is a community of people elected for eternal life. But we're also broken, right? God chooses to use broken people. Hallelujah for that. And church, I'm real broken, too. And, uh, you know, one thing I've learned about God's word, he makes me live it before I can learn it sometimes. He makes me see what he's bringing me into. So needless to say, I've had a kind of <laughs> rough couple of weeks, but there's going to be a lot of glory to God because of those. So real quick, let's pray uh, right now over the word. Once again, you can't have enough prayer. I believe in that. Lord, I'm so thankful for this day that um, even throughout the hardships and failures of my week, Lord, that your spirit is true and your spirit is living and alive, Lord. So I just pray that you speak truth today, Lord. Just be with us. Be with us. Uh, be with the sermon, be with the, uh, anyone that is, is, is dealing with those hardships that you're trying to speak to. May you speak and plant a seed within their heart, Lord. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So, Psalms. Every time I've been looking through Psalms, for some reason I see this name David a lot, right? And I started to do a little more research. All right, I've heard of King David. Great guy. But what's, what's, what's the fine details about David? What do we actually need to learn from him? Well, David was born in the tribe of Judah. He was also started as a shepherd in his life, growing up as a shepherd, looking over sheep for flocks in the village. And if you didn't know, David also wrote 73 out of the 150 Psalms. That's almost half. That's a lot of writing. So he was a poet. He's also, a, uh, as he grew up, he started to become uh, very anointed from God. God really had a heart on him. He worked his way into certain tribes and certain villages and slowly worked his way into getting into closer to um, the armies and, and, and continued to be in, with, in a sense of battle with, with the Israelites. A lot of war was going on then, and he found his way going from a shepherd to find his way close and into, into those battles. And even the, uh, the prophet Samuel said that God is with him. He is anointed from God. And the same David when there was a giant named Goliath that nobody wanted to fight, nobody wanted to face, he said, I will fight him with a sling and a rock. 
Not because he knew he could take him out, but he knew God's Spirit was upon him. David was well aware of God, and he was well aware that he was with him. You know, even through David's whole life, his whole family is one long story of redemption on his family. God uses him as a vehicle to show his compassion and his redemptive feature for his people. God was truly with David. But then we see the first line in this psalm, How long, Lord? How long, Lord? And usually when I hear how long, it's how much longer am I going to have to wait in this fast food line? <laughs> how much longer is the internet going to slow me down? You know, things that are small that bring an inconvenience to us, we start to go crazy. So how long, Lord? And then the next line is, will you forget me forever? So he's not talking about going through the fast food line. This is something really serious going on with him. So serious that he's wondering if God has forgotten him forever. The same one that took out a giant by himself with a slinging rock. The same one that has found himself getting into kingship where he didn't belong. The same one that's went through some of the most amazing victories in history. He's asking if God's forgotten him. So he's battling right now. He's going through hardships. He's going through suffering right now. And, you know, we, we tend to think that the people that God's really anointed, uh, the God that's really been with them, pastors or, or people in history, that they're not allowed to have hardship. They're not allowed to ask questions that, Lord, I don't see you right now. Because people are afraid that if that guy doesn't see God, what am I going to do? But David is just as broken as anybody else. Even though God's been with him, he sees himself finding and suffering in pain, and he's now asking these questions of, where are you, God? I'm calling, and I'm calling, and I'm calling, but you're not answering the phone. Have we felt that before? I have. Layla? <laughs> yeah. It's there, right? It happens all the time. So what was David battling? You know, there, there's some suggestions and some studies here and there, but... You know, is it really important what the certain thing he's battling? It's not as important as to know that he is just battling. He is suffering. That's what's important. You know, when, uh, when the, my wife calls me at work and I hear her kind of panicking, sometimes I don't even want to know what's going on. I just want to know that she and my kids are okay first. I don't know what happened. Just let me know you're okay first. And the same way with David... It doesn't truly matter exactly what he's going through, but it's important to know that he's in pain and he is suffering right now and he's losing his sight of God and that's what's important right now. How long will you hide your face from me, he says. Have you guys felt that? Felt like that you've seen God work miracles in your life. You've seen God work tremendously in your life, but there's times where you feel like you can't even see in front of you. You can't see what he's got in store for you. You can't see where he's taking you or why he's putting suffering in your life or pain in your life. You've lost the vision of him. And that leads to anxious thoughts and concerns, doesn't it? You know, we always hear the story of the, the one lost sheep out of the 99. The further and further away that sheep got from the flock the more anxious and concerned it got because it's not in the safety of the Father anymore. It's not in, in line with the shepherd anymore. 
You know, we talked about, uh, Mike had a joke about directions, right? There's been times where the GPS fails and I don't know where I'm at. The further I get away from structure, the more concerned I get. The more anxious I get. Because I know what my will does and it's not good. And the same if I go away from God's will, from God's spirit, from seeing God and see what he has in store for me. The more I get concerned because I know if I start driving the ship, we're going to crash. The more I take my family and lead them on my will, I'm going to hurt them because I'm broken. In the same way David, as a king, as a guy that's had tremendous victories, now he has anxious concerns. Now he's scared because he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he's going to be leading his people. He grew up as a shepherd looking over sheep for the flock. And now it's as if he doesn't know where any of his sheep are at, right? He doesn't know where he's going. And those anxious thoughts start to form more and more as we get further away from God. The more we start asking that, God, I can't see you anymore. And, you know, there's plenty of people in life, the enemy, you know, Satan, the darkness, people we might work with, sometimes even in family, they like to poke at us when we're doing bad, don't they? Hate to say it, but we have people that want us to fail in life. You know, God always says that you will go through trials in this life for my name's sake. He's not saying you're saved so you're good for the rest of this life. And I said, no, you're going to go through some trials. So when those trials come and we find ourselves anxious and concerned, those people that are waiting for us to fail, waiting for us to fall in the pit, they're looking at us and starting poking us now. And David says, how long will you let my enemies dominate over me? He feels the enemies starting to attack his spirit. He can feel that. And I don't know if you guys know, but David, because he was so blessed, there was plenty of people that wanted him not just to fail, but dead. They searched him. They hunted him to kill him. That's how serious people see when someone's being blessed by God. They don't want that because they know they're battling something. Something deep in them is hurting them, and they don't want to find out what's going great in this life. They just want to bring them down to what they're dealing with. That's scary that we have people, that darkness in our life that want us to fail. That's kind of scary. And I'm like, I'm sorry you can't sugarcoat that, but it's true. It's tough. So this first section of this psalm, verse 1 and 2, is the problem. These are the problems that David is facing, that he's lost. He can't see God. He's now anxious, and now the enemy is attacking him full force. And there's nothing that's stopping them. And when that happens in my life, when I feel lost, when I feel like I can't see God or I start to be anxious. I try to turn to things that turn off my brain, right? Pick up the phone, watch some videos, or whatever it might be. Because I'm scared that the more I try to see God and He doesn't show up, the less I'll believe in Him. And that's, that happens in my heart. And it's scary to say that the more I have those anxious thoughts, 
and the more I go away from something just to turn off my brain so I don't think about those things. I do that as a safety guard to not deal with the actual problems I'm having in my heart. To deal with those hard questions I'm asking God, where are you in my life right now, God? Because I don't see you right now. And it's okay to be broken, guys. We live in a broken world. I don't know if you've seen your social media in the last week or so. It's two groups of people just jabbing at each other. We're broken right now. And I'm broken. And it's okay to be broken. But it's not okay to turn your back from God when that brokenness occurs. It's not okay to say, God, you know, I've had, I've had enough. You're, just, you're not there. I'm broken. I'm just going to rely to something else right now. I'm just going to turn my phone on. I'm just going to read something else. I'm just going to get away from you because the more I try to seek you and I don't find you, the more I get scared about my own life. That's what kills our faith in God. Is when the hardships come, when the tough times come, we pull away from him instead of diving deeper into our relationship with him. So those first two verses are the problem. They're the issues that David is having right now. And then we move on to this next section, right? After, after David is, has said his suffering is here and that he doesn't see God, he goes to say, consider me and answer, Lord my God. You know, one thing that really stuck out to me when I first read this was the word consider me. Consider me, God. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm asking God, just tell me the directions and I'll steer the ship, right? But in reality, it's me on the bottom deck and I'm just thinking, God, please just let me ride on this ship with you, right? We don't get to steer anything. We don't get to move the ship in a path. We just get to ask God to consider us to ride along with him. We get to ask God to consider him to see our answers and to consider for us to see him and bring the spirit within us again. It's, it's, it's tough to say that we don't deserve anything with the brokenness we have. But God loves you so much that he has his heart on you and he considers you. So I love David's mindset in that. Even through all his suffering, he's asking God to just consider him and answer. And then he goes on to say, restore brightness in my eyes. Restore means that it has been there. And now it's fleeting. Restoring as in he's seen God's spirit. He's seen the things he's done. He knew he couldn't fight Goliath without him. He knew he couldn't come to kingship without God. So he's seen the brightness of the kingdom of God before him. And he wants it restored. So by that, David is saying that through his hardships, through the darkness, it's clouding his eyesight. It's clouding his judgment. It's clouding his path to God. He doesn't know where he's going once again as we said that. But he's doing so much that the brightness is going away and away and away and away. The path is getting more covered up and more covered up. And his heart is dying more and more and more. You know, a lot of the times in my life, when things happen, I start to forget the things that God's already done in my life, right? Have a tough day at work, nothing goes right, driving home, boom, pop my tire. 
God, why? Why must you do this to me now, God? But then I forget that God blessed me with that car that I'm driving. I spend all week with my kids. Lord, how much longer until Rowan gets potty trained? I can't do diapers anymore. The things I've seen. Sometimes you feel like you go through like a whole pack of wipes. Okay. Back to God. But, you know, I say, God, how much longer is my chaotic life with my kids? How much longer is this going to affect how I love them? How much longer am I going to have this, have this frustration within me? And the more I ask and I think about those things, the less I start to think about that God blessed me with that family. He blessed me with the great things in my family. He blessed me with two beautiful kids and a beautiful wife that I would not be able to have on my own. I would not be able to love them on my own. Only through God's Spirit, He provided those to me. Restore the brightness in my eyes, Lord. David's saying, let me and remind me of the blessings you've gave me. Restore the brightness in my eyes. Because if not, I will sleep in death. That's a plead to God. God, if you're not here, I will die here. God, if you don't show up, I'm done. Because I remember my life before you. And I remember the things I've done without you. And it's not good. I either hurt myself or hurt somebody else because I'm broken and I'm bruised. And if you're not here, I'm dead. Even though David is battling this, he knows without God, he's nothing. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that. Even through the hardships, even through the trauma, without God, we're done. You know, I've talked to Leah about some of like this, you know, illness she's going through. And anything she tells me, she's praising God for it. And that's not a testimony to Leah, that's a testimony to God being faithful to her. And showing her that I will take care of you if you seek me. But when those things are tough, when it's not going the way you want it to, that doesn't mean I'm not good. That doesn't mean I'm not faithful to you. Restore my eyes to see the goodness that you've brought to me, Lord. Restore it. And once again, my, my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. There you go, that line again, that we're doomed without him. And once we're doomed, the enemy comes for us. The second we start realizing that God has blessed us, the second we see those things, the enemy seems to back off a little bit, right? You know, you think of like a movie. Uh, you see like, you know, like a war scene in a movie with two people battling. You know, the, 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 other, the other side's a little more, a little more uh, intimidated because they definitely don't have as many people. Then they see that other group coming over the mountain, a bunch of warriors coming over the mountain. The same way with the darkness coming over us. When the darkness sees God come with us, when the darkness sees God work through us, when we start to realize that God has blessed us and we start to glorify God, the enemy sees us as a threat to them. 
because we're not shaken. We're set firm in the blood of Christ. We're set firm in what God has given us. And we're set firm into the blessing God has given us. And even through David's suffering, he knows that if his enemies don't see him glorifying God and seeing the blessings he's given us, that he's done for. I could say that a million times, but something I need to set home that we need to glorify God. We need to see God. We need to restore our eyes and what he's given us. Because if not, the, the enemy devil, darkness, whatever you want to say it, will just keep poking at us and poking at us. You know, um, I was doing some, uh, probably about a year ago, I'm big into documentaries, and I watched this one of these four uh, travelers going up Mount Everest in like the 50s, so like horrible gear they have, like rusty shoes and stuff like that. And as they're going up this mountain, it's however cold it is, not too many people live up that track. They see like dead bodies on the pathway. They, uh, they fall and three of them from an avalanche break their legs. So it leaves one, one person to carry three other people somehow in the gear. And one thing that really stuck out to me, what he was saying was, the second I knew, if we were to say, that's it, we can't take anymore, we were done right there. How many times have we battled something tough and in our minds we go, I can't, I'm done. Maybe we're exercising or maybe we're at work. Like, you know what, I'm just going to walk out right now from work because I cannot take this anymore. There's many times where we find ourselves not being able to go any further. But for some reason we keep trucking along, don't we? The second you say that out loud that I can't do this anymore, I quit, that's your limitation right there. That's it. So he said he had three people with broken legs, bruised ribs. And he said, the only thing I was worried about is someone saying, I quit, just leave me here. Because that's when they die. In the same way it relates to our faith with God, the second we give up on God and say, Lord, I can't take this suffering anymore. That's our limitations right there. That's when we don't allow God to intercede. That's why we don't allow God to transform us into what he needs to restore us in. So that section, verses 3 and 4, are David's plead for help. First section is the problem. Next section is his plead for help. David's battling. David has anxiety. David feels like the enemy is about to kill him. He's suffering. He can't see God. He's asking God for help now. To God to consider him to restore his eyes because he knows that the second he gives up, he's dead. No matter what he's done, no matter what he's seen from God, now he's wondering if he's going to be giving up on his faith with God. But does he actually give up on that faith? Does he actually say to God, you know what, I can't take this anymore? No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm giving up on you. He doesn't say, I'm done with you, God. He says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. I have trusted in your faithful love. Hallelujah. But what what is that faithful love? 
How do we know God's faithful? How do we know that, you know, you could say all the things that God's done for David, sure. But really it comes down to one thing. How do we know God is faithful? Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. The covenant is how we know God's faithful. Amen? That covenant is our standard. That covenant is our foundation of God's faithfulness to us. That that God has created a covenant with us that I will deliver my people. I will be there for my people. When they go through the valley, when they're going through hardships, when the darkness overcomes, my covenant is there to let you know that I will redeem you. God's side of the covenant is sealed forever. But is ours? God's covenant is not going anywhere. How many times have you heard it? But it's true. He's the same then, now, and forever. And so is his covenant for us. But if we don't allow ourselves to be part of that covenant, we don't get to see God deliver us from that either. I have trusted in your faithful love. I've trusted in your covenant for my life, that you have said these things to me, and I'm believing with faith that these are true, because I know you're good. I've seen the things you've done. I've seen the blessings that you've given us, and they're too good not to be. So I'm trusting in your covenant. I'm trusting in your faithful love. That's a leap we have to take, but it's a leap that's going to determine our salvation. If we're going to be in heaven with God, or in the darkness forever if we believe in that covenant for the rest of our lives. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. That line gets me. Because many times in my life where I've felt like I couldn't go any further, I know that God will deliver me because of that covenant. And when he does, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord of that moment. Because once again, he saved me. Once again, he's delivered me from the darkness. And once again, he's here to claim me his. That we know that God will deliver us. But we don't get to pick and choose when that will be. We get just to be the ones that trust in him. We don't get to steer the ship we get to ask if we can ride along with them. You know, and it's that kind of faith that it's hard to obtain. To realize that his covenant's forever for us. Through the hardships and battling is tough. Um, I don't know if you guys remember um, a sister, some of you might not have met her, but a sister we've had in our congregation named Lori Clark. <clears throat> if you knew Lori, and if you talked to anybody about Lori, they would tell you that her smile would just brighten up your day. No matter what you're going through, Lori always came up to me and said, hey, sugar, with a nice smile. Loved all my kids, always called my wife beautiful. She was infectious with her smile and with her joy. And if you didn't know Lori, Lori got baptized um, five years ago, four years ago. 
in the Sharando Lake. Um, if you were there, it was just beautiful. I feel like her smile turned a notch on that day, too. Her smile was being um, powered by the Holy Spirit. But you know, Lori's life always, always wasn't great. She battled hardships, trauma, addiction, and not until her 40s that she met God. Uh, she got involved with a bunch of uh, small groups and Bible studies. She was preaching the gospel to her family. Um, I just really thank God for the way she worked through her. She got baptized about five years ago. After uh, maybe a year or two after she was saved, she became very sick as well. Um, a kind of sickness that she was in and out of the hospital. Um, her prayer requests were always coming in. She was just battling heavy sickness and illness. And um, November 7th, I believe, 2020, um, she finally had her last day and she passed away. And, you know, sometimes you think, man, she just got saved. This, and like the second she got saved, she became sick. She became so sick that she couldn't even enjoy that much life. She was always in the hospital. And she just got saved. I thought God's supposed to restore us and, and bring us uh, happiness and joy. That's what, that's what our hearts start to think and deceive us. That's what the enemy wants us to say about Lori Clark. But really, if you ever talked to Lori while she was sick, she rarely talked about her being sick. You know, I'd say, Lori, how's your sick? She, I don't, I, that doesn't really matter. And she always ends a sense with God is good. And again, that's not a testimony to Lori Clark. That's a testimony to God being faithful to her and transforming her heart to see that anything in this life truly doesn't matter. Any sickness, any health problems, any darkness, any financial problems, the enemy poking us, the enemy wants us to be dead, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that her salvation was set in stone through Jesus Christ. Amen. Lori Clark was dead way before she passed away on this earth. She died when she got baptized and was saved from the Lord. And she was living through the blood of Jesus. She was. And uh, I always remember her, one of her favorite songs. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. She wasn't asking for her sickness to be healed. She was asking to let God see her more and more. And she's way better now. She's way better now. And if you think she's thought about earth the last two years, you're crazy. She's up there jamming with Jesus, baby. Go, Lori. Go, Lori. She's having 
a ball with Jesus and glorifying and worshiping him right now. She's not thinking about the sickness she had. She's not thinking about the trials that she had. All she's worried about is God delivered her. God delivered her through Jesus. And the only way she's lived the life that she's lived is through his death and resurrection. Everyone, uh, everyone look at the cross real quick. I'm going to get out of the way. Just look at the cross. You know, we see two pieces of wood put together with a cloth on top. The world sees it as a group of people putting judgment upon people. The world sees it as something destroying the world. Some people look at the cross and see evil. But we, we as believers, what do we see out of it? We don't see it as something that Jesus made that he was comfortable on while he was getting nailed to it. In fact, that's something that the Romans used quite often to nail people on and for have them die on. Something used as such evil back in that day, something that was made to inflict pain and suffering on people is something that we look upon and we see differently now. Amen? We look at the cross now and all we see is that God died for us. Jesus died on a cross like that just so that we could be delivered. So that we don't have to think, will God deliver us? Will God see us? Will God show us His mercy and His grace? He already has through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Will God deliver us? Yes, because He already has through Jesus. And we have died already. If you have given your life to Christ, you have already been dead and brought back to life through the blood of Jesus. You are living for Him now. For He's given you everything in His death. And trials will come. Hardship will come. And it will be here. But He has already delivered us through His death. Amen. Church. You know, sometimes we could um, we can go on and on and on and on about you know, God delivering us and that. But I just want us to chew on that right there, that God has already delivered you through his death. And now we're living him. We're living with Jesus through the suffering. We're living with Jesus through the anxious thoughts and the concerns. It doesn't mean that you can't have trials and you can't have uh, disbeliefs about yourself. But because we've been delivered, because we've been elected to have eternal life with him, Now we get to live in searching and seeking God because we know that our entire eternal life is set in stone with Him because of what He's done for us. 
We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.